This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. Uh, Let me offer a prayer as we begin this piece this morning. Almighty God, uh, we give you thanks. Uh, We thank you for uh, the ways in which you use each of us uh, to bear witness to your gospel. We give you thanks for uh, the way you invite us to participate in the great works of your kingdom. This morning, Lord, we come humbly before you as your people, and we ask that whether it is through the songs that we sing or the prayers that we pray, whether it's through the baptisms in which we make covenants to help raise these children to be your children and your disciples, or whether it's through the word proclaimed, that we would experience your promise and your hope this morning. So now in this moment, as I proclaim your word, I simply ask the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Uh, Throughout this month, we have been journeying through the book of Deuteronomy, uh, specifically chapter 6. And so if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I invite you to open with me uh, to Deuteronomy 6 as we continue this conversation on generosity and how we live faithfully into what it means to be uh, God's people. Uh, Just to remind you where we are, Uh, In Deuteronomy chapter 1, we find out that this book really is a response to uh, where God's people are in the wilderness. Uh, Moses has been journeying with them uh, for 39 years, 11 months, and a day. And they have wandered through the wilderness after being set free from Egypt. They have traveled across that land. Throughout that time, they've received the Ten Commandments and the law of God for the people. And they approach the Jordan River. They're looking across into the the promised land, and as Moses looks across, he realizes and knows that he will not be joining the people there. He will not be able to participate fully in God's promised land and that experience. And he also realizes the crowd to which he preaches is a crowd of which none of the adults were adults in Egypt during slavery. And so all of Deuteronomy is a series of three sermons, three farewell speeches, that Moses is offering to the people of God to remind them what it means to live as God's people in this land, what it means to live as God's people without him, and to be faithful in this land of promise. And so as we pick up this morning in verse 20 of chapter 6, this is what Moses is telling to God's people. Moses says, When your children ask you in time to come, what is the meaning of the decrees and the statutes and the ordinances that the Lord our God has commanded you. Then you shall shall say to your children, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us up out of Egypt with a mighty hand. The Lord displayed before our eyes great and awesome signs and wonders against Egypt, against Pharaoh and all his household. He brought us out from there in order to bring us in, to give us the land that he promised on oath to our ancestors Then the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our lasting good, so as to keep us alive, as is now the case. If we diligently observe this entire commandment before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us, we will be in the right. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Moses is speaking to these people. He's proclaiming to them almost predicting for them that there will be a day when you look in the eyes of your children and they ask you a question. 
as we follow these laws and these statutes and all these ordinances, they'll say, why? What does it all mean? If you have children, you know this question well. When you tell them the rules and the laws and the things they have to follow, often, at least with my children, they look at me and they say, why, Daddy? You know, something as simple as why is there a speed limit? To something much more complicated and nuanced, like why do we only get to eat three pieces of candy on Halloween night? (laughs) In both cases, we have to give good answers. One is to keep you safe. One is because Daddy likes candy. But they ask us these questions. They say, what does it mean? What do these rules mean? These laws mean? Why do we have to follow these things that you tell us to do? Moses knew that that time would come. Moses knew that time is just as much for our children as sometimes it is for us as adults. There are times when we approach seasons like this season of generosity, and I ask questions. Why do we have to preach generosity every October? Why did Amy have to choose to baptize Kylie on the day that I'm preaching on generosity? My superintendent comes that day. (laughs) Why, God, why? What does it all mean? And we ask these questions, and we, like the children Moses predicts, we begin to ask, why are we following these things? Why do we order our lives this way? Why do we have to do the things that we do? This past Wednesday, after a long day in the life of the church, I went home and picked up my kids from school, and we went uh, back into the neighborhood. It was a beautiful day. It was 75 degrees and sunny, and so we did what every responsible parent does. We put them in the street and said, go play. And they did. And I stood out there and watched them. And one of my neighbors came up uh, to talk, and we were sitting there chatting as our kids were playing, and he asked a question. He knew I'd taken on this new role two months ago and said, how was your new job going? And I paused. And I must have paused a little too long because he says, you are still doing that new job, right? (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't because I didn't know the answer. I mean, I knew the answer. I love what I do. I love the job that I do. I love the opportunity to be in the place that I am. I would love for our superintendent never to come back, at least for four or five or six years or longer. I love being part of this church. And part of what I get to be a part of is to do the things that we do together, to embody Christ together. But I knew that the answer that he was looking for was more nuanced than a simple yes would do. And so I did what Moses did. Moses says when they ask you why, when they ask you these questions, tell them a story. And so I did what any good preacher would do, and I started to tell a story. And I told my neighbor what my day had looked like that Wednesday. I'd gotten up early that morning and gone to coffee with two of our church members, two men who had led a retreat for a dozen guys at the beach the week prior. And they had led them to experience uh, meditation and prayer and, and practices of God's faithfulness. Our own Glenn Mason led them in that retreat. And they began to celebrate the way that guys who you may not have thought would respond in the way they did, responded so faithfully to an invitation to spiritual discipline and prayer. We prayed for those 12 guys. And then we began to dream about what God might be doing next for men in our church. 
And these two guys began to dream big dreams about how we might invite others along in this experience and how we might create space for, for men specifically to experience relationship with each other and with God. And it was a great morning, a celebratory morning, a morning to dream and look forward to what God was doing in this place. And then I left breakfast and I drove here and sat in my office for about an hour replying to emails and phone calls, something I do almost every day. And as I went through about the 30th email that morning, I asked the question, why, God, why? <laughs> what does it all mean? But then I came here with our staff, and we had about 30 of our staff team members join together as we do every Wednesday in the sanctuary, and we prayed together. And we read scripture together, and we sang together, and we prayed for our, each other and for our church and for each of you. And it was a beautiful time to be reminded what it means to be part of such a team that serves this church this way. About halfway through that time of devotion together, I got a phone call. Uh, one of our very own uh, had had a massive stroke. Uh, many of you know Fiend Martin. We celebrated Fiend's life here in the sanctuary yesterday. And I left immediately to go sit with the family at Rex Hospital to pray with them, to pray with Fiend's daughter, Holly, with Fiend's grandchildren, with her son-in-law, Dan. And we waited for an hour and a half by Fiend's bedside, knowing that she would never wake up again. And we prayed. And then I left Rex Hospital, and I drove to Duke and saw another church member at Duke Hospital and then went across to Carolina and sat with another and again prayed with them and for them, giving thanks for the doctors and the nurses who were caring for them. I prayed for their families who were journeying with them, walking with them. And then as I drove home, I talked to Ray. Ray and I had a great conversation on the phone about our church. He asked about you and how I was doing and how the church was doing. He asked how he could be praying for you, and we began to dream big dreams again for what might happen in this place years from now. And Ray is part of that conversation, and so we had a great conversation. Uh, Gray Southern was with Ray that day, and so he handed the phone, or told Gray to call me, and Gray did. And Gray asked about you. And Gray asked how he could be praying for you, and he celebrated the way that God continues to work in this place. And so we had a great conversation on the way home from the hospital. I got back to the office, and I called Jennifer talked to Jennifer about Davis's baptism and began to plan for today the details of this day. I talked to Amy about Kylie and how we might make these details work and, again, celebrated what it means to be part of a church family that gets to baptize two children on this Sunday morning. And then I moved on and received a text from another one of our families whose three-year-old daughter has been fighting cancer. And after a month in the hospital, she's finally home. And she's been able to be healthy with her brother and sister at home. And they were celebrating and asked me to pray for them as they prepared for another procedure in a few weeks. And then I did what every good pastor does because my work was continuing. We had a budget meeting. <laughs> and again, I asked, why, God? <laughs> why? <laughs> and we began to plan for this weekend and how we might prepare for Consecration Sunday. And then finally I drove home, picked up my kids from school, and went and stood in this driveway with my neighbor and had this conversation. And during this conversation, I received a phone call from another church member. And they asked me if I would pray at an event next Tuesday night for outreach to middle school and high schoolers in this area. And so my wife and I get to go next Tuesday to be part of a fundraising dinner to help make sure the gospel continues to be carried into dark places in this community. 
And I came back to my neighbor, and he looked at me and he says, man, that was a roller coaster. <laughs> and I said, that was just Wednesday. <laughs> Let me tell you about Tuesday. <laughs> he said, I'm good. No, really, I'm good. <laughs> in seasons like this, in seasons where we are preparing budgets and making plans for next year, in seasons where sometimes I get caught up in the details, in seasons where we have to make cards, prepare booklets, and, and tell the story of God's graciousness and gracefulness and power. Sometimes I ask why. What does it all mean? I look at these buildings that we've built, and I look at the gathering spaces that we have created. I look at the children's programming, the vacation Bible school that we've done. I look at Jingle Jam and the events we do this Advent and Christmas, I look at cantata practices and the rehearsals that we do over and over again to prepare. I look at the acolytes that are trained. And I ask myself, God, is it all worth it? And then God gives me days like Wednesday to remind me that we get the privilege to be part of a church that in less than 24 hours was in the room of someone who was dying was celebrating new birth and new life, was celebrating answered prayer, was walking alongside families, who was preparing for budgets, who was part of teams that we just in that 12-hour period, just in my shoes, not to mention everything that you're doing, got to see God that way. And I say, God, yes. Yes. What we do is worth it. Many of you have stories that are even bigger and greater than the story I just shared with you. On the way out of 815 service this morning, a woman walked with me and said, I've been part of this church for 65 years. She goes, I've lost my husband as I was a member here. And I found community here that has sustained me, has brought me life and light and hope. She said, I'm so thankful for this church. And I'm thankful you're a part of it with us. And I know that this church has been faithful long before I came, will be faithful long after I'm gone because of people like you choosing to invest, as Eric said, not just in what we want now, but invest in the things that we want most. This generosity season is not simply a time where we ask you to give money to something to keep the light bills on. This generosity season is a time for us when we make the very choice Eric and Courtney have made is that we make the choice to invest not just in what we want for ourselves selfishly now, but we get the, the opportunity to invest in the kingdom work of God through this church family. We get the opportunity to say we're all in, and we want to be a part of what God's doing here because we know that this church makes a difference, that this church changes lives, that this church is a beacon of light in a community of darkness that so desperately needs it. And that we get to be a part of that. For some of you, this will be the very first time that you make a commitment. You're choosing for the first time in your life as a disciple of Christ, a member of a church, to say, you know what? I want to be a part of this. And I'm willing to write down that I'm in with this family. For some of you, you're doing what Eric described and what Dahlia described, and you're stepping up. And perhaps you're making a percent, percentage offering of your gifts and what you've received this year, and you're moving from 5% to 6% or 7%, or perhaps to a tithe or beyond. Thank you. 
For some of you, you're making plans right now on how even after you're gone, you will leave a legacy for this place so that Kylie and Davis and generations to come will experience that same story that 65 years later, they know what it means to be loved by God and by God's people. Thank you. Wherever you are, however much you can give, not any one of us can make this happen by ourselves. It takes all of us. Whether you can give a little or give a lot, it takes all of us saying that we care about what matters most and we believe the gospel, that we believe the truth and hope of Christ is what matters most. This morning is the last Sunday that we'll be inviting you to participate in this campaign this way. There are cards in your pews this morning, commitment cards. Uh, some of you have already participated with us. You have done it over the last several weeks, and I thank you for that. Uh, some have participated online and made commitments that way. And again, I thank you for stepping up and being part of this process with us. For others, you're waiting till today, and again, we thank you. But I invite you in a moment, we're going to invite the ushers to come forward. And if you can, and if you feel called by God to participate with us in this season next year, I would invite you now to take, take a moment to fill out that commitment card and lay in the offering baskets. And we will pray a prayer of consecration and commitment for those as well as all those that have come before, dedicating our gifts and our commitment to God and trusting and knowing that our God fulfills God's promises and that God promises to use God's people to be instruments of peace, instruments of compassion, of grace, of salvation, of power, and of hope. This is the God we get the privilege to serve together as God's church. I'm going to pray for us, and if you are participating in that way, I invite you to go ahead and fill those cards out and fold them, and you can lay them in offering baskets as they come. Let us pray. Almighty God, you are a faithful God. From the time of Moses, you knew that your people for generations to come will always ask the question, why? Why do we do the things that we do? Why do we pay attention to the details we pay attention to? Why do we follow your laws and your ordinances so diligently? Lord, why? And just as Moses did then, you ask us to tell your story, your story of faithfulness, your story of showing up even when our love fails, your story of claiming our children as your own. Lord, this morning, give us the courage to continue to step up into your promises, committing to your will, helping us dream your dreams for this church, for our community, and for our world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.